0: today, I want you to take them. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 100. And we're going to finish up the thought that we started last week about this idea of thanksgiving and praise. Last week, we talked a lot about thanksgiving. And today we're going to shift our focus just a little bit. And we're going to talk about praise. So Psalm chapter 100, beginning at verse 4, It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. Do you believe that? His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'll let me to preach effectively today and to say what needs to be said in such a way that your people can grasp it, understand it, receive it, and then put it to good use in their lives. Thank you for the mature individuals that are sitting before me today, those that you are growing up in the faith. And they are becoming overcomers and victorious every day of their lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. and anyway, Hopefully this week uh, you were able to... Uh, Activate this idea of Thanksgiving in your lives Uh, How many of you were able to get with family and people that you love and and how many of you had turkey and dressing? Can I see your hands? I I did not have any turkey and dressing and I'm I'm very upset by that you know, we're we're last on the uh, uh, Stop-by list and so by the time that the kids get to our house, it's like they don't want any more turkey and dressing so my wife fixed a beautiful meal of lasagna and salad and bread and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I just haven't had any of that yet. And so I, you know, I, I had Thanksgiving, but it's a little bit not quite like what I'm used to. You know what I mean? Uh, but the good things were there. The family, the friends, the fellowship, the food. Uh, the Dutch apple pie arrived, praise the Lord. And I'm so thankful for that. So we've just had several opportunities this week just to express our thanksgiving for the good things that God has done. God has been so good to us through the years, has He not? And I'm so thankful to him. And hopefully, uh, you practice that this week in your life. Today I want to talk to you a little uh, about a little different thing, and, and it's about praising. And a lot of people think, well, thanksgiving and praise and worship, it all kind of goes together, and and it does, but they are different expressions. And so when we say thanksgiving, it means something very different than when we talk about praise. When I first started several years ago in state office work, the very first overseer that I worked with was a man by the name of W.C. Ratchford. One of the greatest administrators that I've ever worked with in my life. He just knew how to do the job and do it well. But he was also a kind-hearted fellow. And he is a a good man. He liked to laugh. He liked to have a good time. Uh, When you were with him, he always enjoyed life. But he'd come into the office sometimes, and he would just be singing a little chorus that simply said, it's amazing what praising can do. How many of you have heard that one? Hallelujah, hallelujah, it's amazing what praising can do. And then he'd finish it all out. I always enjoyed hearing him sing that song when he would come in because he could lift the atmosphere and the spirit of the room when he came walking in. And I think more than anything else, that's what we ought to do. Whenever we show up, I mean, things ought to get better immediately. When we walk in the room, we ought to be able to lift the atmosphere of the room. And one of the ways that we do that is through this thing called praise. Thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude while praise is a celebration of victory. Let me say that again. It's on the screen as well. Thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude, while praise is a celebration of victory. Now, for all of you UK fans today, you probably are celebrating ever since yesterday. You've been smiling. You've been digging all the U L fans. You've been celebrating in your own way. We celebrate, but thanksgiving and and praise is different. Thanksgiving is the expression of a deed that has been done that we're grateful for, while celebration is an expression of victory or a celebration of victory. Now, the best way that I know to uh, describe this to you is uh, if you have children in your life, there's a difference between thanking them and praising them. Now, now, if your child is good at math, and they go to school, and they do all the math, and they get the problems right, and everything is, is good, you don't call them in and say, thank you for being good at math. You don't say, I thank you for being good at music, or I thank you for being good at football. No, you celebrate them for their achievements. So you say, I know that you worked hard at math, and I know that you've given your best effort. And you you have succeeded. And so I praise you. I celebrate that thing in your life. There's a difference in thanksgiving and in praise. And so we celebrate them. We we celebrate their good things. And we celebrate their victories. And we celebrate who who they are. We celebrate our wives. We celebrate our husbands. We, We praise, if you will, by honoring who they are. My wife and I are celebrating 40 years of marriage today. Today is the day. Can you believe that? Now, it would be really inappropriate, and it might set me up for getting a good whooping, if I went to her this morning and said, thank you for all the things that you do for me. Thank you for doing my laundry, and thank you for cooking for me, and thank you for cleaning the house, and thank you for this, and thank you for that. Although I might sincerely be thankful for the role that she plays in my life, she'd much rather hear me say, it doesn't matter to me if you've ever done th- anything for me, or if you're doing anything for me right now, or if you do anything for me tomorrow. I'm just thrilled beyond words that you are a part of my life. I love you. I don't even have the words to express to you how important that you are to me. You see, there's a difference between being thankful and expressing thanksgiving and being uh, celebrating the relationship. So there's a huge difference between thanksgiving and praise. Now, there are some things that praise will work in our lives, and I want to share four of those with you this morning very quickly. And the first thing I'd like to suggest to you is that praise will enhance your relationships. Praise will enhance your relationships, now, I want you to go back to Psalm chapter 100, verse 4, and that second phrase, the first and the second phrase that says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now, if you'll remember last week, I talked to you about the importance of that word enter. That word enter implies that I'm living in one place, but I'm moving to someplace else. I'm not going to stay in the same place where I have been. I'm moving to higher ground in Christ. And the psalmist is saying, when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, then you are entering with a mindset of gratitude. I am grateful to you, God, for all that you've done for me. I am grateful for the good things that you are working in my life. And so you enter, you move away from a place of ingratitude and you move to a place of gratitude. You begin to, to to not focus on the bad things anymore. You don't focus on the hurt. You don't focus on the failure, but instead you focus on the success and you, and you focus on the victory, and you focus on the good things that God has done. But let me tell you, you're the only one who can do that. I can't make you be thankful, and I can't make you be grateful. You have to decide to do that and be that on your own. But then he goes on, and he connects that first phrase, enter into into his gates with thanksgiving. He connects it with that next phrase that says, and into his courts with praise. Now you remember that this is a picture of the Old Testament tabernacle, the temple where there there is the outer uh, gates, there's there's the outer court, there's the the inner court, there's the holy of holies. And, And what he's talking about here is not just hanging out in the foyer, but coming into a great and beautiful relationship with a holy God. And so, you know, we have coffee in the foyer and and we get out there and we start talking and yakking and having a great time and we get caught up in our little world of our friendships and fellowship with one another. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we have a church that loves to hang out with each other, aren't you? I'm glad I don't have one of those bickering churches that they bicker, bicker, bicker and I don't really want to be with you so I'll sit on the other side. Thank God we don't have a church like that, Amen. But if all we ever did was just come to church and stand in the foyer and drink coffee and laugh with one another, we wouldn't be anything different than just a social club. But thank God when we come out of that foyer and into the inner courts, we can come in with praise in our hearts, celebrating the good things that God has done in us and celebrating what he's doing now and celebrating what he's going to do tomorrow. Amen. So he's inviting us to move into a closer realm with the Lord. I I can't remember. We were were going somewhere the other day and we were in the car. In fact, I think we're in the truck, which is an oddity for us to go anywhere together in the truck. But we were in the truck and I was driving and I had my hand over here on on the console. And all of a sudden, I felt this hand come over the top of mine. And I thought, first of all, I thought, well, I'm, 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 you know, I I must be crazy. I must be feeling something that's not real. It feel, it just kind of felt kind of soft and and gentle. And I'm not used to that, you know, especially when I'm in the super duty truck, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm going, that's my man time. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, I felt this, this soft little hand come over the top of mine, and I looked over, and my bride sitting there, and she put her hand on the top of mine, and she is holding my hand. I almost ran off the road, let me tell you. It's amazing how it will change the atmosphere when you celebrate the relationship that you have with people in your life. Oh, you can be mad at him all you, all you want, and you can have, be frustrated with him, but the only thing it's going to do is give you a bad attitude and make life terrible. Why don't we just choose to get along? Why don't we choose to love one another? Why don't we choose to celebrate the good things that God has brought into our lives? It will change and enhance your relationships. I'm reminded of Acts chapter two, where the body of Christ comes together shortly after the giving uh, of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, and they gather together and they're living together and they're, they're fellowshipping with one another. They're eating together. They're having a great time with one another. And Acts chapter two, verses 46 and 47 says, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I say again, isn't it great to be a part of a church where you can feel the love? I mean, you can walk in the room and know that this is a place where everyone can be accepted. Someone asked me this morning, they said, you know, well, am I going to get in trouble if I sit in somebody's seat? I'm new here, and I want to make sure, you know, where can I sit? And I said, oh, you don't have to worry about that around here. We're, we're not tied to our seats. We don't, we don't buy our seats. I don't care how much money that you've ever given. That seat doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And he'll sit whoever needs to sit in it in it so that they can receive the word of God. But you know, it's not an issue at our church. I can remember one occasion where someone came up to me that the house was absolutely full. And we didn't have any seats left. And a couple came up and they said, hey, Pastor. We got some visitors just came in the door and there are no seats for them. They need my seat more than I do. So we're going to go on home and let them have our seat. We ain't mad at anybody, but we see an opportunity to bless someone. And so they did. I'm thankful that when we praise the Lord together, that it will enhance our relationship, not only with all the people, but it enhances our relationship with God. Can I just say this and then I'll move on quickly. If we'd stop being so frustrated with God and angry because he didn't answer our prayers the way that we thought he should, or he didn't do it on the timetable that we thought we should, and we just celebrate him and know that whatever happens in our life, he is doing for our good, our relationship with him would be enhanced because of the praise. So first of all, praise will enhance our relationships. Secondly, praise will enlist divine assistance. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you had no answer whatsoever? I mean, you you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to say. It just certainly looked like that there was not going to be any good come from the situation that you found yourself in. I dare say all of us have been there. I dare say that we, some of us are there today. But I would suggest to you that when we begin to celebrate God and celebrate who he is and celebrate his existence, then in that atmosphere of celebration, God comes on the scene and provides divine assistance when nothing else will work. Let me prove it to you. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us the story of King Jehoshaphat, and he is surrounded by the enemy. He has been surrounded by the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. And they had come against Judah and there were far more of the enemy than there was of the people of God. And so they had no, they had no options. They were surrounded by this vast army that had been threatening them and was getting ready to come against them and do harm. So it would have been easy for Jehoshaphat to say, Well, boys, we had a good run, but this is it. There's not anything left. I don't know. We're going to die today. This is the day. It's all over for us. They're going to kill all the men. They're going to take all the women, take all the children, make slaves out of all of them. This is it. It's all over. We've got no hope. There's just nothing good that can come from this situation. And then Jehoshaphat started praying. He started asking God, are you going to help us today? And he got a word of prophecy from the Spirit of God that came and said, this is not even your battle to fight. I'm going to fight it for you. All I want you to do is stand back and just watch me work. I'm going to do the heavy lifting today. I'm going to be God. I've been telling you for a long time that I'm God. And if you'll trust me, I will do in your life things that cannot be done any other way. And Jehoshaphat, instead of wringing his hands, instead of getting frustrated, instead of being afraid, instead of walking in fear, he just started praying and then it came to him, we need to get the singers up here. We need to get the praise team up here. We need to get the musicians up here. We can't do anything anyway. So today's the day we're going to die. At least we're going to die singing. We're going to die praising. We're going to die dancing. Boy, did you see Jane dancing before church? Man, that was something. Hey, she, she came to church to dance today. It's all right to dance, amen. They said, they said, if this is the way we're going out, we're going to go out on a high note. We're not going to go out defeated. We're not going to go out frustrated. We're not going to go out in fear. We're not going to go out bombarded by the things of the enemy. No, we're going to go out praising the Lord. And he called the singers together. And the scripture tells us in chapter 20, in verses 20, in verse 22, it says, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Jodah so that they were routed. We know the rest of the story. They got up the next morning, Judah was waiting for them to attack and they never did attack. And they're wondering, what in the world's going on? And they climbed up to the top of the mountain and they looked over the top of the mountain into the valley and all of the enemy lay dead in the valley because God had set an ambush against them and they thought they were fighting someone else. They were fighting themselves and they ended up killing themselves. Let me tell you something. I believe God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that is in us. And if we'll stop being frustrated and down and out, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I believe somebody ought to just stand up and praise the Lord today for his goodness. Come on, praise him for what he has done. He's made a way when it seemed that there was no way. Praise you, Lord. 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 Amen. So praise will enlist divine assistance. You say, well, I can't see God. I don't know where he is. Don't worry about that. He's inside of you. If you're a child of God, he doesn't have to go very far to get where you are because he's already there. All we've got to do is learn to release him in us. How do you do that? You do that evidently, according to this passage of scripture, by being willing to praise him and celebrate who he is. You know what our problem is? Sometimes we stop celebrating the things that God has done in our lives years ago. Years ago, God did for something for us and we celebrated it, we praised him, we glorified him, we told everybody about it. Oh, you can't believe what God did for me. Oh, you can't believe when he healed my body. Oh, you can't believe when I was almost broke and the Lord sent an answer and raised us up. Oh, you can't believe when I had that. You can't believe when the devil was attacking me. You just can't believe what God did in that season of my life. And then we can get two or three or four years down the road and we forget about what God did because we're in a new challenge and in a new battle. And our, our bent... Our natural bent is to say, well, here I am. I'm in trouble again. What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? What's What's the answer to this? What's the solution to this? God, how am I going to do that? You know what we need to do? We need to go back to years ago and remember what the Lord has done for us. Because when we remember what he's already done, it's easy to believe what he will do now. Amen. So praise will enlist divine assistance. Next, praise will ensue from an experience of victory. Have you ever been surprised by a victory that you weren't expecting? Or, or, or maybe you've been praying for years about a particular thing and it has not come to pass yet. And almost to the place where you've forgotten about it. Almost to the place where the devil would have you say, don't ask God about that anymore. Don't ask him about that anymore. Why would the devil tell you not to ask him about that anymore? Because he already knows that God's going to answer your prayer. Amen. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow, but God's going to answer your prayer. And God doesn't say, stop asking me about that stuff. He says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. For the one who asks and keep on asking uh, will receive and the one who seeks shall find and the one who knocks the door shall be opened unto them. So the next time the devil crawls in, slivers into your life and says, stop asking the Lord. Stop bothering him about that. You tell him, oh, you get out of my face, devil. My God who loves me has told me to ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep Knocking, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. Don't don't give up. Praise flows and rises up when when we experience victory. I don't I don't know if you remember the story in in Luke chapter 15. It's about the prodigal son. You know the story there. The son comes to his father and he says, You know, I'm old enough, I want my money. I want my inheritance. I want you to give it to me now. I know it's not time yet, but I want to take it. I want to go live high on the hog. And his dad gave him his inheritance, even though he knew that it was not going to bring about good in his life. You know the story. The prodigal goes out and he lives a crazy life, a wayward life, and he ends up in the pig pen. And he's lower than he's ever been before. In Texas, they'd say he's lower than a snake's belly in a wagon wheel rut. That's pretty low. I don't know. I've never been that low. But he was pretty low. And he said, you know, my, my father's servants are blessed greater than I am. It would be better to be a servant in my father's house than to be living like I'm living right now. And one day he woke up, he came to his senses and he started down that dusty road towards home. And guess who was at the other end of the road waiting? And he was looking and he was hoping and he was praying the father was standing there waiting for the return of the son. And the scripture tells us that when he looked out and saw the son coming, he greeted him. He hugged him. He loved on him. And then he prepared a feast of celebration. Chapter 15, verses 22 through 24 says, the father said, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine who was once dead is alive again. He who was lost has now been found. Oh, man. We said, well, we got to hold it all together. I don't want them to think I'm you too proud of them. I don't want them to think, you know, they, there's some discipline that comes in here. at some. Hey, stop trying to discipline everything and just celebrate the good things that God has done. If God has redeemed something, if God has restored something in your life, then accept that and celebrate and live in the midst of that blessing with the joy of the Lord and let it strengthen you. Amen. Let it strengthen you. We're told in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where King David decided it was time to bring the Ark of the Covenant home. It had been gone for too long. It had been in the enemy's hands. And he said, we've got to get the Ark of the Covenant back. Why? Because in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God dwelt. And if, if if the Ark of the Covenant was not with them, they did not have the presence of God the way that we do now because he lives within us. But David said, we've got to get the Ark of the Covenant back home. We've got to do whatever it takes. I don't want to live another day without the presence of God among us. And they begin the process of bringing that Ark home. And the scripture tells us in in the passage that I just told you about that when David saw the Ark coming and when the Ark came, they began to celebrate. And the Bible says that David threw off his priestly kingly robes and danced around in a linen ephod because the presence of God had been brought home and restored to Israel. I'm telling you sometimes we're so high and uppity and I got my good clothes on today. I've got my Sunday go to meetings on. I'm looking fine. I'm looking good. I don't want to mess my hair up. You know, I don't want to spit on anybody close by. I don't want to do anything that might make me look silly or unreserved. Let me tell you, some of you need a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost hold-down to get on you so that you don't care what you look like and you don't care what it feels like. You're just going to praise the Lord. David's wife looked at him and said, Oh, look at you. Look at you, king. Took your clothes off in front of the young ladies. What they're going to say about you. (laughs) David said, I don't care what anybody says about me. I know that there was a time in my life when the presence of God had lifted. I couldn't feel him. I couldn't touch him. I couldn't communicate with him. And there's nothing more miserable in this life to be in a place without the presence of God. But when the presence of God was restored and came back home to me, I couldn't help myself. I had to celebrate and give praise and glorify the Lord. I remember another time in the Old Testament when, they, when, when Moses was called to be the deliverer. I'm just thinking of these stories as I go. I might preach all afternoon. You never know. As long as it keeps coming, I may keep on going. He said, I don't know. We got fried chicken to eat. I'll give the cold chicken to the Baptists. They'll put fresh hot for, for the Pentecostals. Don't worry about it thinking about Moses. He said, the Lord is going to deliver us and out of bondage. And they, they start leaving by the, by the millions of people and they're going to a place of promise. But then they get out where the Red Sea has them all um, uh, in bondage. They can't get across it. They can't get around it. They can't go over it. They can't get under it. Ah, what are we going to do? Well, let's just go back. We just, it'd be better to go back and get bricks and make, make more bricks and eat leeks and onions. Listen, I like leeks and onions. You know, back when I was a kid, we'd get a bowl of pinto beans, cornbread on the side, Mom would give us some of those wild onions, you'd chop the end off of it, you put a little bit of salt on the table, you'd dip your onion down in it, and you eat your onion with the salt on the end, you put it in, you chop it up in your, in your beans, you have the cornbread. And let me tell you, there's nothing better than pinto beans and cornbread and fresh onions. But when all you ever eat uh, is onions every day of your life, there comes a time when you want something different. And here they are, they're griping. They had the professional gripers there. You know who the professional gripers are in your life. Some of you just had a Thanksgiving meal with some of them. It took every ounce of energy just for you to go to the dinner because you knew so-and-so was going to be there. And you know such-and-such is going to be there, and nothing's good out come out of their mouth in 150 years. And I'd rather stay home than I have to go home and be with them. If we're not careful, a spirit of complaining and griping and negativity can get all over us. But there they were by the water, no way around it, no way over it, no way under it, no way at all. And then all of a sudden, the Lord prompted Moses to take his cloak and slap the water. And you know the rest of the story. The water began to roll back, began to roll back, began to roll back. And the ground that was muddy and wet became dry so that they could walk over on dry land. And then the king's soldiers thought he could do the same thing surely. But when they got in the water, God said, well, time's up. Water's been back long enough. Uh, Sorry, I enjoyed. I tried, but now I'm going to watch you go down. You're under, and the water's closed up on them. Chariots going everywhere. Kings going everywhere. Soldiers going everywhere. Uh, Swords and and, and weapons going uh, everywhere. Where's the Israelites? What are they doing? Oh, Miriam had got them on the other side, and she said, oh, look what the Lord has done. She said, "He has thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. We're free. We've been set free. There's no bondage, ladies. Get you a tambourine and let's start dancing and praising before the Lord. And they started shaking those tambourines and dancing and praising the Lord when they realized how good that God had been. Some of you just need to go buy you a tambourine and take it home. Don't bring that thing to church now. We've had enough of that through the years. I don't know, i just get me a tambourine. I'd put it on the dining room table. Every time the devil started messing with me, I think I'd over, go over there and get it and just start shaking it and saying, devil, you see this? This represents all the many times that my God has come through on my behalf. There have been times in my life when you thought you had me down and out and you thought that I was going under. But this tambourine stands as a testimony to the fact that I'm still standing, that God is on my side, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord God that I serve, amen. Praise develops when we experience victory. Come, Come help me quit if you will. Praise provides endurance when our life is falling apart. Look, I'm smart enough to realize that there are times in our life where bad things happen. Hard things come into our lives, difficult days. Sometimes it's more than one or two days, sometimes it's a season, sometimes it it lasts a while. What are we gonna do when it seems like that our whole life is falling apart? Let me explain to you something that I learned later on in my walk with the Lord. You see, when I first started learning to walk with Jesus, I thought it was about today. I thought everything was about today. God, I need for you to bless me today. God, I need treasure in my life today. I need peace in my heart today. I need what I need or what I want. I need it today. But through the years, I've come to understand that God is a God of eternity. And some scores will never be settled on this side of heaven. And so as children of God, we have to focus not only on the here and now, but on eternity and realize that when we get on the other side of this earth God who is the righteous judge is going to judge everyone for the good and the bad in their life and it falls his responsibility to judge not mine only responsibility that I have is to love others with the love of Christ. Now I know some of you are looking at me like you've lost your mind. You surely have not gone through anything as difficult as I've gone through. Maybe not. But I've been through some pretty rough days. I've been through some pretty rough times in my life. But here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that if I can trust God, then I can live in a spirit of praise and celebration. I might not wanna celebrate what's happening right now, but I can celebrate the fact that God's gonna take care of it all. And I don't have to. I don't have to get revenge on anyone. I don't have to be offended by anyone because God has given me the ability To live above all of that and to know that one of these days, God's going to settle all of the scores that need to be settled. I'm reminded of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. You remember the story? It's very familiar. If you've been in the church very long at all, you've heard this, no doubt. Paul's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and his compadre there, Silas, is helping him, and they're going everywhere and they're preaching. They're walking in signs and wonders. God is doing the miraculous. And the most important thing is that those who are not Christians are becoming Christians because of the ministry of the word of God that's coming out of their mouth. They're listening to the testimony of Paul and Silas. And people are being converted to Christianity. You know who it made mad? It made mad the religious people. Listen, if I have to choose between having religion or having Jesus, I'm going to take Jesus every time. I know some religious people that I don't think are even saved. I know some religious people that are the most sour people I've ever seen on the face of the earth. If I ever needed some help, the sinners would help me before the religious people would. I know some religious people. I'm not talking about having religion. I've heard people say, Preacher, I need to get religion. And I tell them every time, no, you don't need religion. You don't need that. Please don't take that. Have Jesus. He's so much better than religion. He can do so much more in your life than religion can. There they are, they're sitting in prison because they've been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and people have been receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and the religious people get upset and they go go and run and cry, baby, to the magistrates and they grab them and put them in prison and they put them in the dark, cold prison and they've got chains on their wrists and chains on their their feet and they've been beat in their back and on their back with with whips and they're leaning up against the old devil. prison wall, they could have had a bad attitude and they could have said, well, maybe we got it wrong about Jesus. You know, I thought when we accepted Jesus, everything in our life would be hunky-dory. Everything would be good. And then they remember the old country western song that somebody sang that said, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Listen, God has never promised you a rose garden on the face of this earth. But he has promised you victory. He has promised to help you become an overcomer. And if you don't see that blessing in this life, you'll see it in the next life, let me tell you. Because God is a God that will not lie. And there they are, they have no hope. Seemed like it was all over. They had already said, we're going to kill Paul. They eventually did kill Paul. They eventually took his head off, if you will, and, 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 and took his, his, uh, his vocal testimony but they didn't take they didn't take his history and they didn't take his his testimony after the grave and after life his his testimony is still active and being talked about in the world today so what do you do when you know it's over what do you do when you know there's no hope what do you do you set your mind on glory you set your mind on eternity you set your mind on history I remember several weeks ago visiting Geneva in the hospital. I said, you look like you're dressed up and ready to go to a party. And she looked over at me and she said, Pastor, I am going to a party. Amen. Listen, that's the way to live, church. We've got a party in our future. And we can praise our way there. They're sitting there in that prison door and all of a sudden they started tapping their foot. I don't know what they're singing. I don't know what songs. I don't know if it was a Church of God hymnal or if it was something else. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the Church of God hymnal. But they were singing something. The Bible says they started singing hymns unto the Lord. And they started singing to Jesus. They started singing to God. They started lifting up their voice. They started singing, Oh, I'm living in the overflow. Amen. They started singing, Great is thy faithfulness. They started singing praises unto the Lord and you know the story God got excited about their praise, sent an earthquake shook the jail took the bonds off of them and they were set absolutely completely free I'm telling you when it looks like that you have no hope, if you'll praise him, if you'll glorify him, if you'll magnify him he will do a work in you that only he can do Stand up with me. If you-